Praise the Lord. Well, thank you for the opportunity of being here with you folks this morning at the Castle Guard Baptist Church. Uh, you folks are spoiled here in this uh, city. Amen. Uh, we come from Leduc, Alberta, and we've spent the last 30 years in that area. And we, you know, we don't have it quite as warm there most of the time. And so uh, I appreciate coming here to uh, this area. I appreciate Pastor and uh, his family. We have had some good fellowship. We've kind of run across each other uh, down through the years, kind of passing, and and uh, really not got to know him uh, very well. So we were able to spend a little time with he and his wife last night, and we appreciated the fellowship. Amen. We got to laugh a little bit and enjoy uh, a little bit about the Lord. And uh, I thank you for taking care of us. Uh, the hotel room that you folks have provided us, and that was a huge blessing. And uh, as um, Pastor said, my name is Jim Price. I'm from uh, our home church, actually, is now uh, Pembina Valley Baptist Church in Winkler, uh, Manitoba. I almost said Winkler, Alberta. <laughs> well, <laughs> we're in the same church for 30 years, uh, Vision Baptist in, in Leduc, Alberta. And so sometimes I still get a little tongue-tied, but we are with uh, Pemina Valley Baptist Church in Winkler, Alberta. It is the home church for First Bible Canada or First Bible International. And so there is our prayer card, and uh, there's one beautiful-looking person on there. The other we're not too sure about, but anyway, please take one and pray for us. And there's another prayer card up there, the Bind People of India. Pastor mentioned that uh, there is a famine in the land, a famine of God's word, and the blind people do not have a Bible. Uh, they cannot open to John 3:16. If there was a pastor uh, there in a church and said, "Hey, turn to John 3:16," they could not do that because they do not have a Bible to turn to. We are blessed here in North America. The English-speaking people are blessed to. Have a Bible, amen? Preserve the Word of God. And uh, what a thrill it is to be able to open our Bibles and know more about Jesus. Uh, Brother Rick was talking about intimacy with God this morning. You know where we know about the Lord Jesus Christ? is from our Bibles. We don't know who Jesus Christ is other than from our Bibles, amen? We see, uh, you know, God beautiful creation outside. Uh, we understand His uh, power and His Godhead, but we don't know who Christ is apart from Scripture. And so it's imperative that we get Scripture into the hands of people. If you turn with me to Romans chapter 16, verse uh, 25, and, and uh, if you wouldn't mind standing with me, those who can... Rick also mentioned something about the simplicity of the message that he was giving. That's where I'm at. I give very simple messages. What I am going to share with you this morning is something that you probably already know. Uh, nothing really new. Uh, I may be putting a few um, pieces of a puzzle together to maybe help you understand some things, or maybe just a review for you this morning. Uh, but I trust that uh, what I'm about to say will bless and challenge you. Romans chapter 16, verse 25. 
Now to Him that is of power to establish you according to my gospel. Aren't you glad that the Lord Jesus Christ has enough power to establish you in the faith and as a person? Amen? And uh, He's powerful enough to do that. And the preaching of Jesus Christ. I appreciate the pulpit being in the center of the building this morning. Amen? That's where the focus should be, is on the preaching of the Word of God. Amen? According to the revelation of the mystery, which was kept secret since the world began, but is now made manifest, and by the scriptures of the prophets, notice, and by the scriptures of the prophets, according to the commandment of the everlasting God, made known to all nations for the obedience of faith. To God only wise be glory through Jesus Christ forever. Amen. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you for the opportunity of being the Castlegar Baptist Church. What a privilege it is to stand behind this pulpit, a privilege to open the Word of God, and a joy to have the Word of God that we can open this morning. I pray that you'd help me to be a blessing to your people. Uh, if there's someone that's not saved, that does not know Jesus Christ as Savior, help them to understand that salvation is only through you, dear Lord Jesus, not through the church or good works or a baptism or growing up in a Christian family, but it's only through the shed blood of Jesus Christ and that they might receive what you have done, receive you this morning to eternal life, to forgiveness of sin and to intimacy with you. So Lord, I pray that you bless this time. Holy Spirit, we need you this morning in a great way. I need you. This morning, I need you to uh, use me and uh, help me to set aside any cares or thoughts or anything that would inhibit uh, what you want to say. And uh, Lord, I pray that uh, thy Holy Spirit might encourage and strengthen us this morning. We love you, Lord. Thank you for all that you do for us. Thank you for your great mercy. And we pray in your name. Amen. Thank you. you may be seated. I want to give you a few foundational thoughts this morning before I really get into the message. First is uh, foundational thought is about our Bible. This is the inspired Word of God. Uh, in 2 Timothy 3.16 says, All Scripture is given by inspiration of God. This is an unusual book. This is not like Nietzsche's philosophy. It's not like Plato's philosophy. It's not like Homer or any other, yeah, I do wander, I, 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 I told him I do, uh, so just have to keep up with me. Uh, it, it's an unusual book, amen? This is a living book, this is the very words of God. Uh, Rick uh, mentioned the, this morning about the Ten Commandments being the written word of God. Well, this is the very writing of God, Amen. Holy men of old spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. This is the living Word of God, and it is able to change us. Amen? Aren't you glad that this book can change who you are to what God wants you to be? Amen? We're conformed to the image of Christ through this book. So this is an unusual book. This is the living, breathing Word of God. Amen? Uh, Look with me in 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 23. 1 Peter 1.23 says, Being born again, I, I move pretty fast, so 
please try and keep it up. If not, just hang in there. Amen. Being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible by the Word of God, which liveth, notice, which liveth and abideth forever. The Word of God is living. You cannot be saved. You cannot have your sins forgiven. You cannot have eternal life unless it is for the Word of God and the Holy Spirit of God. Those two things work together. Amen? The, the Word of God and the Spirit of God birth you into the family of God. You cannot get saved unless you have the Word of God. You cannot. You cannot get saved unless there is the very Word of God. It is imperative for our salvation. And notice in Peter it says, which liveth and abideth forever. And then in verse 25 it says, but the word of the Lord endureth forever. Psalms 40 verse 8 says, the grass withereth, the flower fadeth, but the word of our God shall stand forever. Forever. And in Matthew it says, heaven and earth shall pass away. (laughs) But not my words, amen. They'll never pass away. Uh, In Psalms it says, Forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. Uh, Turn with me to Luke chapter 24 and verse 27. Now, you have to remember something that the word of God that we have in our hands is not the original writings. Did you know that? It is a copy of 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 a copy and then a translation of those copies. Okay? So if anyone, you go to these websites of some of these churches and they say, we believe the Bible as written in the original languages, they don't have those original documents. Okay? You keep, we don't have Moses' writing. We don't have Obadiah's writing. We don't have Hosea's writing. We don't have Zachariah's writing. We don't have Paul's writing. We don't have Peter's or John or Matthew or Luke. We don't have any of the original documents. What we have is a copy of a copy of a copy of a copy. The question is, can we trust the copy of a copy of a copy of a copy? Look with me in Luke. Here is the Lord Jesus, and I'm not going to get into too much of this. There is many other verses, but Luke chapter 24, verse 27, it says, and beginning, this is the Lord Jesus speaking, and he says, beginning at Moses and all the prophets, notice, at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded unto them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. Jesus had no problem in opening what he had that day and expounding All about himself. He did not correct the scriptures. What he had, he trusted. Amen? Uh, Look with me in Matthew chapter 4. Matthew 4. And the reason I'm kind of touching on this, and you probably already know all this, is because we have um, a movement in the English Bible world that they always want to go back to the oldest quote-unquote and best quote-unquote. And when they do that, they say, well, this passage wasn't in there, this word wasn't in there, this phrase wasn't in there, 
And uh, they really cast doubt on the Word of God which we have today. But the Bible over and over says we can trust what we have today is the very Word of God. Matthew chapter 4. Here is the temptation of the Lord Jesus Christ. Notice it says, Then was Jesus led up of the Spirit. Isn't that interesting? Amen. The Spirit of God led Jesus into a time of temptation. Folks, sometimes the Lord wants to perfect something in our life. Amen. That's a little side note for you. And He'll lead you into some areas to strengthen you. And verse 3 it says, And when the tempter came to Him, He said, If thou be the Son of God, command these stones be made bread. But He answered and said, Look what how the Lord answered. It is what? Written. It is written. Now, uh, go down to verse 6. And He saith unto them, If thou be the Son of God, cast thyself down, for it is written. Interesting that the devil can change the Word of God. Amen? Didn't He do it in the Garden of Eden? Yea, hath God said. And He says, It is written. Uh, he shall give His angels charge concerning thee. He misapplies the Word of God. In verse 7 it says, And Jesus said unto him again, It is written again. It is written again. Jesus never cast doubt on any passage or word in the Scripture. Never. And verse 10, he says, Get thee hence, Satan, for it is written. And again, I can show you many, many passages where uh, the people of God turned to the Word of God and never doubted what was written to them. So they trusted in the copy of a copy of a copy of a copy. And again, we can trust in what we have today, amen, as the very Word of God. Now, I believe the King James Bible is the Word of God for English-speaking people, preserved for us. Uh, turn with me now to Mark chapter 16. Mark 16. Verse 15. So the first thing that is the foundational thought is we have the Word of God today preserved for us. It is the inspired, very Word of God. Second thing is that Christ has established the church to carry out the Gospel. He's not established any other organization or organism, because that's really what the church is, amen, is an organism. Uh, Matthew chap or Mark chapter 16, verse 15, it says, And he said unto them, Go ye into all the world, and preach the gospel to every creature. This was given to the disciples or the apostles who were the foundation of the church. God has ordained only the local New Testament church to go into all the world and preach the gospel. He's not ordained a Bible society. He's not ordained YWAM. He's not ordained the Billy Graham Crusades. He's not ordained anyone else other than the local New Testament Baptist Church. And all God's people said, Amen. Hallelujah. 1 Timothy 3.15, let me show you. 1 Timothy 3.15, let me show you. But if I tarry long... 
that thou mayest know how thou oughtest to behave thyself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and ground of the truth. Now, I'm not going to go into all of the um, definitions. I'm sure Pastor Klein has done that. But the church is a called out assembly. There is no such thing as a universal church. There is no such thing as an invisible church. There is only a called out assembly of baptized believers. That is the Bible definition of a church. This is God's representation, the Lord Jesus Christ's representation here on earth in Castlegar. Amen? Christ is the head of the church. We're the body. You're the body. Just as he ordained Israel to represent him in a previous time, it is the church which God has now ordained to represent him in this age. The church. No, no one else, okay? Now, turn with me to 2 Peter 1.21. So those are the two foundational principles. First, we have a word of God that we can trust. It is God's word. It is a living book, and it is, by the way, without error. Secondly, it is the church which God has ordained to represent Him on this earth. Now, I want to bring those two together for the rest of this message. Now, when you think about the preserved Word of God, there's only two ways that God could have ever preserved the Word of God. One, he had a magic wand, and he said, Abracadabra, there's a Bible. Alakazam, there's another Bible. Okay? He could, have, he could have done that, right? He spoke the world into existence, didn't he? Amen? He just said, hey, I think I want an earth here, and guess what? I think I want a, 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 a Uranus over there, and a Pluto, and... I mean, he just spoke everything to, into existence, Amen? All of the universes, all of the Milky Way, he just spoke that into existence. Do you think he could have done that with the Word of God? Of course he could have. But he never chose to do that. God only wrote twice in Scripture. Once uh, with the Ten Commandments, and once was in uh, Babylon, and he wrote on the walls with the handwriting. Only two times. He actually physically wrote. Mm -hmm. God has always used mankind to write the Scripture. Always use mankind. I took you to 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 21. 1 Peter 1, 21 says, For the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. 1 Peter 120, or I'm sorry, 2 Peter. I'm dyslexic sometimes, by the way. <laughs> 2 Peter 121, for the prophecy came not in old time by the will of men. You know, God's plan is this book. That's God's plan. But notice, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. So God has used mankind to pen the scripture. My question, do you think God has also used mankind to preserve the Scripture? Of course. 
He has no other plan, amen? He has chosen in the Old Testament, Israel and the New Testament, the church. Turn with me to Romans chapter 3. Let me show you. Romans chapter 3 and verse 1. Who did God use to pen the scripture? A specific people, amen? Holy men of old. The nation of Israel were God's stewards of the word. Notice it says in verse 1, What advantage then hath the Jew? Or what profit is there of circumcision? Let's stop there. Think about that for a moment. What profit is there of circumcision? What advantage did the Jewish nation have? Well, they were God's called out people from Ur of the Chaldees. God called Abram, amen, and picked Abram to be the father of many nations. Wow, a chosen people. Of all the peoples in the world, God chose that people, Abram, and said, I will make of thee a great nation. Then he gave him the tabernacle. And Brother Rick talked about the tabernacle. That was the meeting place of God and mankind. And he said over and over in the book of Exodus, the tabernacle in that place, in that place, in that place, I will meet with thee. Nowhere else. Uh, They had the sacrificial system, the way to take care of sin and bring God and man back together. They had the priesthood. Now I understand all this was a picture of the Lord Jesus Christ, but what advantage did the Jew have? No other nation had what the Jewish people had. A way to God. No other nation. And if you wanted to go to God as a non-Jew, what did you have to do? (laughs) Go through the Jewish priesthood, amen? The sacrificial system, the meeting place of God. So what advantage did the Jew have? Oh, notice what Paul said in the next verse. Much every way. Well, we heard of much every way, amen? But notice the next phrase. Chiefly. So of all the advantages that they had, the tabernacle, the priesthood, the sacrificial system, being chosen of God, chiefly unto them were committed what? The oracles of God. So of all the advantages that the Jewish nation had, of every advantage that they had, the Word of God was their biggest, the best advantage they had. Now, let me ask this. If God used the nation of Israel in the Old Testament, Who is God using in the New Testament times? Who's God committed the oracles of of His oracles to now? I submit to you there's only one place, the church. The church. He's committed this book to us. Wow. Of all the advantages. Think about the advantages we have. You've got one advantage. You get to meet as God's people together this morning, amen? As a church. What a great advantage that is. I mean, we've just come through that COVID and we've had to be on TV 
I never thought I'd be a TV evangelist, amen. The only thing I was missing was an airplane, brother. <laughs> uh, I, I tell you, we had a great advantage coming together and hearing the preaching of the Word of God, having a pastor. Wow, what a great advantage that is. Uh, and we have the Holy Spirit of God dwelling in us. Could I say, cheaply, we've got the Word of God? You would not know, and I said this earlier, who Jesus Christ is without this book. You would know of His mercy, His grace. You would know of His power to establish you. You wouldn't know the attributes of our great God unless it was for this old book. We have been committed this book. In Thessalonians, Paul said this, But as we were allowed of God to be put in trust with the gospel, even so we speak, we were put in trust with the gospel. Folks, who else is going to tell a lost person about Jesus Christ? Is it going to be a, a Muslim? No. Is it going to be a Buddhist? No. Who's going to tell them about Jesus Christ and the potential of being born again? It's the church. Because we've been committed, entrusted with the gospel. We've been entrusted with this book. Now, let me ask this. God has entrusted a holy people with this book because we are holy people, right? Amen? Not because of our holiness, but because of Christ's holiness. So who would you entrust such a great charge to? Would you entrust it to Zondervan or Nelson, publishers? By the way, do you know who owns them? HarperCollins. And uh, there's another organization who owns Harper Collins. I can't think of the name now. But you know who owns that organization? Rupert Murdoch. Do you know what Rupert Murdoch did for 40 years? Produce in England pictures of half-naked girls in his daily paper. So who are we going to entrust the Holy Bible to? A Rupert Murdoch of this world? Or a holy people. Let me submit to you, it's our responsibility. Amen? God has given the holy people the holy book. It's our job. Our, our job. Now, I want to see, show you uh, preservation in action. Turn with me to Colossians chapter 4 and verse 16. So we know we've been given a book. We know it's been preserved for us from this generation forever. But how did that really flesh out, if you will? How did that happen? Paul said to the church at Colossae, And when this epistle is read among you, cause that it be read also in the church of the Laodiceans, and that ye likewise read the epistle from Laodicea. So, 
give you an illustration. So here is the epistle of Paul to the Castle Gar Baptist Church. And he's given it to the Castle Gar Baptist Church and said, okay, now, when you've read it, I want you to now give it to the Laodicean Church over here. Question for you. If Paul wrote the Castle Gar Baptist Church an epistle, like Colossians, do you think he would give him his only copy? No chance, amen? Do you think your pastor would say, oh, I got, I got this epistle and, and I've read it, now I'm just going to hand it over to Cameron, right? Not going to happen, amen? What is pastor going to do? What's your name? Richard. Richard. What's Richard going to do? He's going to say, hey, Castle Guard Baptist Church, I've got this epistle. Let's copy it out and let's give it to the Laodicean Church. Amen? That's exactly what happened. Exactly what happened. Over and over and over and over again is the Word of God got copied by the church to give it to other churches. Because he's not going to give it up. Guaranteed, Richard's not going to give that up. He's going to read it, read it, read it, read it. It's going to get worn out, isn't it? But good thing he made a copy. <laughs> isn't that neat? First Thessalonians, by the way, that is the act of preservation. That First Thessalonians 5.27 says, I charge you by the Lord that this epistle be read unto all the holy brethren. Uh, turn with me to Revelation 1. I know you're just still kind of getting to Thessalonians. But Revelation 1. Let me show you Revelation 1. Here is the revelation of Jesus Christ. And the Lord Jesus says to the Apostle John, I am Alpha and Omega, the first and the last. What thou seest, write in a book and send it unto how many churches? Seven churches. And then he lists them off uh, in Asia, Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamos, Thyatira, Sardis, Philadelphia, and Laodicea. So what happened here is the Apostle John was to write that revelation he had of Jesus Christ, write it in a book, and then he was to take that which he had uh, written down and send it to seven churches. How many copies now do we have? Seven, right? He wasn't going to just have one copy and send it all over seven copies, at least. But you have to understand, people travel around a little bit, Amen. So, uh, a believer from another church is going to come in and see what was written down by the Apostle Paul or, or by the Apostle John and say, hey, can I have a copy? <laughs> Amen? So, here is preservation in action. And by the way, you folks have uh, been involved in assembling the John and Romans. Did you know you were involved? You were co-laborers with God in the preservation of His Word? Because you put together something that was not there before. That's preservation, amen? That's taking something that was not and making it is. 
I know, great English, right? <laughs> Sorry, Betsy. <laughs> She's there correcting my English. <laughs> uh, that is preservation in action. So the Castle Gar Baptist Church was involved in preservation when they were assembling John Romans. Amen? That is exciting. You are a part of something that has gone on for generations, for yea, hundreds of years, yea, if you will, at least a couple of 3,000 years, amen? You are part of the same program, uh, process. Here's a testimony. By the way, um, the Scripture and Bible preservation is not just for Castle Gar Baptist Church, Vision Baptist Church, Bible Baptist Church, First Baptist Church in Milford is for every church in some way, some form, amen? And you folks were a part of that. Here's a modern day testimony from a fellow by the name of Riza. He is a uh, Iranian Christian. Now in Iran, to uh, if we were, we tried to send some copies of John Romans to Iran, but found out that if a person from Iran was found with a copy, they could be uh, taken to jail. Uh, they could be tortured. There's lot, They could even lose their life. Uh, so we didn't do this, but. Here's a testimony of a young man in uh, Iran. He says, I'm so blessed by the Bible reading campaign. Before I longed for my own Bible, but they're very hard to get in Iran. Now that I receive your emails, I read the, cha- I, I read the chapter every day like you suggest, but I've also started writing down every chapter by hand. My goal is that by the end of this year, I'll have the whole New Testament written down. He says, I will have my own Bible. That is preservation. Isn't that exciting? You know what that tells me? Is that God's people have always wanted a copy of their own Bible. Amen? Always wanted copy of their own Bible. You know, our kids, they're so thrilled to get their first Bible. Amen? Let me ask this. Do you remember your first Bible? Here's my first Bible. I was given it by my godparents when I was christened as a baby. By the way, Pastor, I have been spiritually baptized. Just like <laughs> but do you remember your first Bible? Some people got a little Gideon's New Testament in grade 5. That's what happened in my day. Now that is dating me a little bit, brother. Uh, but I used, we got little Gideon Bibles. Red ones, I think I got. But do you remember your first Bible? Billions do not have a first Bible. Think about that for a moment. Billions don't have their first Bible. Riza didn't have his own Bible. But man, when he received those emails, he started to copy the Word of God down so he could have his first Bible. That's pretty exciting, isn't it? Now, I'm going to bring all this together for you so that you can understand the ministry that First Bible International has. Turn with me to Psalms chapter 12 and verse 6, and then Matthew 28. 
So Psalms chapter 12 and verse 6. The scripture says, The words of the Lord are pure words. By the way, we never have to wonder, like I said, if a particular word is actually supposed to be there. Scripture says it's supposed to be there. They're pure, without error. Amen? As silver tried in a furnace of earth, purified seven times, thou shalt keep them, O Lord. Thou shalt preserve them from this generation forever. There's that word forever again. So from the generation that it was written, God promised that that Word of God would be there for the next generation and the next generation and the next generation and the next generation. When, if the Lord should tarry, and I have great, 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 great grandchildren, I wouldn't last that long, they will be able to open a Bible and hear, thus saith the Lord. Because God promised it. Amen? And God is powerful enough to keep that promise. We never have to wonder if He kept that promise. Amen? He did. Now, Matthew 28. Here's the great commission given to the local New Testament church. Matthew 28.18 says, And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and earth. Go ye therefore and teach. Notice the next couple of words. All nations. All nations. Baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. So notice that the church is to go to all nations. Now, sometimes we get a little myopic. And we think all nations, and we kind of think of all English-speaking nations. Because, of course, we have the very preserved Word of God, amen? And we hold up our King James Bible, and we're happy we got it. But sometimes we get pretty myopic thinking, and say, all English-speaking nations, or have a translator here. We have some folks from Peru, they speak Spanish primarily, right? You know what, if they did not speak English. Come on up here, Cameron, for a minute. He looks like a volunteer, doesn't he? <laughs> Amen? So I am English-speaking. Cameron can speak English and Spanish. These folks cannot understand, or you folks cannot understand English at all. So if I say something to Cameron, and then Cameron interprets it to you Spanish-speaking people, what do you have to rely on? First, that he understands me, correct? Right? And he properly is wrapping his mind around what I said. And then he's got to take what I said in one language and put it into another language and communicate it to you folks so that you understand what he said, which is what I said. Do you think that there could be a problem? Amen? You, you remember that little game where you whisper something into someone's ear and you take it all the way around and by the time it gets back to you, it's nothing like what you said. Right? But if you have a Bible, you can go to that Bible and say, hey, what he said 
didn't make sense. Is that really what I said? Amen? But if you have no Bible, what are you trusting? What he said is what I said. And that's a problem, isn't it? Amen? Because maybe he didn't like what I said, so he said something different to you. Right? Amen? And I wouldn't know, I wouldn't know the difference, would I? I'd be happy in my life thinking, man, I communicated the very word of God and he's saying something totally different. Amen? Mm -hmm. That's why we need a first Bible. Thank you, Karen. That's why we need the first Bible. We're to go to all nations and notice it says in verse 20, uh, commanding and and, uh, uh, teaching them to observe all things Whatsoever I've commanded you. Well, how can we teach them all things unless we have all things written down in order to teach them? Look with me in the book of Acts. The book of Acts. God's desire has always been to reach all nations. You look in the book of Revelation and it says in... uh, Go to Acts, but let me read Revelation 7, 9. It says, And after this I beheld, and lo, a great multitude, which no man could number of all nations, and kindreds, and people, and tongues, stood before the throne. God's desire has been to reach all nations. But we've not done that. We've not reached all nations with the Word of God, preserved Word of God. Acts chapter 2. And verse uh, 5, of course, this is a day of Pentecost and the Holy Spirit is, has been uh, poured out. And it says, uh, in verse 4, And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And there were dwelling at Jerusalem Jews, devout men out of every, na- every nation under heaven. Now when this was noised abroad, the multitude came together and were confounded because that every man heard them speak in his what? own language. So actually, our Peruvian friends are hearing me speak in Spanish, right? (laughs) Let's move on. And they were all amazed and marveled, saying one to another, Behold, are not all these which speak Galileans? How hear we every man in our own tongue wherein we were born? So own language, own tongue. See, God poured out the Spirit of God and they heard them speak in their own languages. God's desire is that all tongues, all nations, all tribes, all languages hear the Word of God plainly in their own language. Uh, Notice verse 11. And he goes on and lists the different uh, nations there and people groups. It says, Cretes and Arabians, we do hear them speak in our own tongues the wonderful works of God. Fellas, if you can hand these out, one to everybody, please. So God's plan and program is for that everybody to hear the wonderful works of God in their own tongues. But do you know this is what we've given half the world? Is that. Here is a Gospel of John. 
or John and Romans, or the book of Zechariah, or whatever book you want to mention, that's what they have in their own tongue and in their own language. Could I say that we failed? We failed? By the way, the, on the cover, and the back and front cover, you'll see many people groups mentioned. Those are the people groups, some of them that have not the scripture in their own language. I have to be done right away. Tyndale, of which we have like 75% of our Bible, is William Tyndale who lived in the 1500s, translated the first English New Testament into, uh, from Greek into English. He said this, Which thing only moved me to translate the New Testament because I had perceived by experience how that it was impossible to establish the lay people in any truth except the scripture were plainly laid before their eyes and their mother tongue that they may, might see the process, order, order, and meaning of the text impossible to establish the people of God without a Bible. Impossible. Impossible. G. Campbell Morgan said, the story of missions the whole wide world over shows that the success or failure of missions has always been dependent on whether those brought to Christ had the scriptures in their own Languages. Success or failure depends upon the people of God having the Bible in their own languages. You heard Cameron speak Spanish to you. Amen? If you didn't have, that's what you had. You could never check it out. You could never be established in the faith. Churches can never be established. Oswald J. Smith said, Unless and until we give the word of God to everyone in his native tongue, the world cannot be evangelized. Turn with me to Isaiah 29, verse 11, and I'll be done. If you were to take the world representing 100 people, so you were to take the 7.8 billion people and just compress them down to 100 people, four would have a reliable and readable Bible. Four out of 100 would have a readable and reliable Bible. Now I know Wycliffe's doing a work, but they're taking it from the critical text, so they're giving them an unreliable portion of Scripture is what Wycliffe's doing. At least they're doing something, amen? But a reliable and readable language, four out of a hundred. Twelve out of a hundred would have a New Testament. Fifty-three out of a hundred have absolutely nothing. So more than half the world has no scripture at all. That's sad. Isaiah 29 verse 11 says, And the vision of all has become unto you as the words of a book that is sealed. 
the words of a book that's sealed. Which men deliver to one that is learned, saying, Read this, I pray thee, and he saith, I cannot, for it is sealed. Here you go, Richard. Read this for me. It's sealed, isn't it? He's learned. We're not talking about people throughout the world that are ignorant people. We're talking about very well-educated people. But that's what they have, is they have a sealed book. They can't read it because they don't have it. Let's read on. And the book is delivered to him that's not learned, saying, Read this, I pray thee, and he saith, I'm not learned. The church, in many places, they're not learned in the Scripture because they don't have the Scripture. Folks, we, not just First Bible, but we have a great job ahead of us, amen, to get this to this. To give people in this world their first Bible so that we can establish them in the faith and they can be established in the faith so churches can be planted so the world can be evangelized. But it all depends on giving them their first Bible. We have a job to do. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. Pastor.